Welcome to Emirates Podcast, episode number 106. This is your host, Suman Silwal. This episode is brought to you by Seven Bridges Marathon. Visit emirates.com to get $15 discounts on Seven Bridges Marathon and Half Marathon. See you at the starting line at Chattanooga. I'd like to welcome Dr. Olivia Fusu to Emirates Podcast. Olivia, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been so long. We've been trying to bring you to Emirates Podcast. Uh, I think it's been almost a year, year and a half, two years uh, since the beginning. I've been trying to bring you to Emirates Podcast. You always on run, uh, literally, or you know, you're going some places. So, how's things, men? You just came from Trans Rocky. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, I just got back. It's been about a week now. Yeah, I'm glad you were finally able to catch up with me and uh, invite me to your podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we run almost the same circuit, uh, not not together, but in the same area, Birmingham, uh, community of running community of Birmingham, as well as we run into each other for many other things. Let's start with your trans rock experience. How was it? I always want to do that. I get uh, really jealous when I look at the pictures of y'all running out there. <laughs> Tell us about it. Yeah, so it was really amazing. I think the best part about it was, well, I guess two things. The views, once you make it up to the top of those uh, big climbs, and also the people, they call it a summer camp for big kids, and I'd have to agree. You know, it was a lot of fun to run and camp out and, and meet a lot of new people from around the world. Actually, there were people from all over the place as far as Australia. And uh, there was actually someone else there from Birmingham. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Definitely. Is this like, uh, do you have to carry your own pack or, uh, or, you, or, or the camp for you or how does that work? Oh, man, it was so awesome. Uh, basically, they gave us these big bags to put whatever we needed during the week. And uh, we would drop them off in the morning before we got ready to run. They would drive them on a truck. When we would get back, they'd have the tent set up. And then there would be people to carry your bags to your tent. So you really didn't have to work that hard outside of, you know, just making it up over those mountains and, and making it back to the finish line and Chillville, uh, which was the place that we hung out every afternoon after the races definitely is it like a stage race uh, go from stage to stage it's like 120 miles correct something like that yeah so if you do all six days it's 120 miles with 20,000 feet of climbing i did the three-day option so they said it was about you know 60 miles and 8,600 feet of climbing i think it was closer to 10,000 feet of climbing <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's kind of crazy going out there as a, a flatlander from Alabama and being at high elevation, you know, above 8,000 feet every day. But it was great. It, it worked out well. The training I did here, it was fine. I, I didn't have any altitude sickness, so it was pretty cool. That's excellent. Uh, I didn't know that they have three-day option. Maybe I need to look into that for future, but definitely I'd love to do that. Talking about that, uh, before we go deep down in our conversation about some of the topics that I like to discuss, let's uh, wind back and tell us about your running journey. How did you end up where you are? Just finish the Trans Rocky. Okay, so I'm a big reader of books. You know, people think I just spend all my time running, but I love to read. And so I was in a, a bookstore and I came across the Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body. And I was just kind of flipping through it. And, and I came across a chapter that talked about ultra endurance athletes. And I said, oh, that sounds really cool. And he also mentioned Dean Carnessis. So I said, hmm, I want to read his book, you know, 50 Marathons in 50 Days in 50 States. And so I read that. And um, Tim Ferriss also talked 
talked about, you know, that you could train for an ultra marathon in five months. And so at the time I was sort of, you know, had been involved in a lot of physical activity all my life and I was sort of bored. And I said, oh, this sounds like a, a cool new challenge. So I started following a little training plan. I said, well, you know, a 50K is just six miles past the marathon and I had done a marathon. So I'm like, I, I know I can do this. And so I found a race and I signed up. It was the North Face Endurance Challenge, which Dean Carnessis was sort of the sponsored athlete. And so I go down to Pine Mountain, Georgia, and I run one of the hardest races of my life at that time because you know, it was rated as a 4-4. And the rating scale for trail runs is like on a scale from one to five in two categories. One is the level of um, technicality of the trails. And the other one is for how hilly it is. So you imagine a 5.5 five is really steep. Well, a 4.4 four is just a little bit below that. I had no clue. So there I was. Um, Dean Carnessis was there to see us off and he was also at the finish line. So I went out and I ran it with a friend and made it back before the cutoff and kind of the rest is is history. So that's how I got into this madness. Definitely. So before you were an ultra distance runner, you you ran a marathon. How many marathon and distance races, ultra distance races have you done so far? Oh, so far. Um, I think I counted it up and I want to say I have done uh, about 15 or 20 races over the 50, like at 50K or above. You know, the, the hardest race I've ever done and the record stands even after Trans Rockies is the Barkley Fall Classic. To me, that race is harder than 100 miles. Wow. But for you, do you do mostly ultra-distance race, trail races, uh, or do you still try to go some road as well? So for the most part, I really try to stay off the roads. I do a lot of the local trail runs that are around here, anywhere from you know, I'll I'll do the three mile race through the woods uh, to hang out with my trail running buddies, and occasionally I will do like five Ks or maybe half marathon on the road, mostly um, supporting charitable events. But my true love is, I would say, the fifty K distance on the trail. Definitely, definitely, I I like those distance too. It it's just fast enough and uh, yeah. long enough for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gotten to too much in the fifty miler. I think I may enjoy it i may want to do a little bit more on 50 mile or, but 100 mile is t- totally different you have done a few hundreds correct yeah so um it's really funny i've i've made two attempts at the lake martin 100 and and people think that that race is really easy because you know it's kind of gentle rolling hills but there are like a million rolling hills <laughs> so i'm currently 0 for 2 against uh, lake martin the first time i ran 100 kilometers or 62 miles and i thought i was going to run out of time so i was just like okay well i'm not going to make the time cut off um, because of the weather conditions uh so i, I just sort of gave up not knowing that i probably could have just kept going until someone, you know, drugged me kicking and screaming from the trail. So then I came back a year later and said, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, make an attempt at this again. So the second time I made it to mile 75, but on that occasion, almost ripped a tendon from the bone in my left ankle. And so after 75 miles, I decided to call it and my friends were encouraging me to stop. And I'm glad I did because I probably wouldn't be able to run right now. So basically, I almost ripped the retinaculum um, that goes through the top of your ankle and top of your foot. And 
I'm, I'm glad I gave that up. So I don't know. I ran into uh, David Tosh uh, a few weeks ago and kind of toyed with the idea of, you know, going forward a third time. But we'll have to see. Outside of that, I did complete the Hallucination 100 in Michigan later that same year. So I've done the distance. I know what it takes. Yeah. I'm sure I will do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I remember uh, you and I, we did that first Lake Martin uh, 100. I think it was the same year we did uh, the first one, and that's when you ran 100K. Uh, yeah. So I remember that. It was a really bad condition. The trail was pretty bad. So Yeah, I think that was the one where I talked you into, you know, moving up from yeah. the dollar to the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe one of, one of the people will like, come on, you can do it. I can do it. Come on, come on man. Stop uh, begging. How bad can it can it go? You know, I think that that is the line everybody's putting. I think including you is like, uh, it's not a problem, right? Yeah, Lake Martin. I have done five of them. I'm five for five, so I'm I yeah. so so I'm I'm almost lost the battle this year, but. Well, let's see if six is going to happen or not. So, so it's it's interesting uh, because you uh, keep a pretty busy schedule. Let's go move into a little bit more in our topic and we can come back to uh, distance running again. But okay. I, would, I would like to uh, talk a little bit more because you keep very busy schedule. Uh, you are busy in many, many areas, not just running and your professional life. And also you travel and you have a lot of student and Let's talk about what you do. Just can you give us a briefly what you do and then we can build up from there. Okay, so I am a an epidemiologist and my work focuses on encouraging women and girls to be more physically active. And right now some of the research I'm working on is, you know, looking at people who are successful at maintaining their physical activity, particularly women, and seeing what others can learn from them? What can we learn from them to, to help other people who have not been as successful to increase their physical activity, but also maintain that long term? And so you know, really trying to understand, you know, what are sort of the keys to success for people who are able to navigate busy schedules and responsibilities and families and all those types of things um, to be active? So definitely, that is the topic. What I wanted to talk to you about. We live active life and busy life, but also we want to run. As a distance runner, we, we cannot just do one or two miles. We have to go out and cover that distance, miles, areas, hills. There's always that. And also there's we have to deal with work, family, and everything else. Uh, lately, I just look at it it's like, oh, I'm, I need to be somewhere else. You know, just, I, I didn't have that feeling in the past when I was used to run, but lately that's what I feel like. So I know that a lot of time people, you hear people like, I wish I have a time like you uh, so I can <laughs> run. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I usually t- used to tell us like, I don't have time. I'm just, I just go and make, make that time happen. We all get 24 hours. Tell us about how do you manage those times? What is your secret? Well, first of all, people think I run a lot, you know, because they look at my Instagram account and they're like, you're running everywhere. Um, but typically when I'm training, I don't really run more than four days a week. And I'm also not running extremely long distances. I will do some slightly longer runs on the weekends if there is, you know, a big event coming up. But I hardly ever go over 20 miles in a long run. I actually spend the rest of my time doing more cross-training types of activities. And I do those at home. So that cuts down on the extra time of going to a gym or going somewhere. So basically, I will run on Tuesday 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And sometimes I will actually skip the Thursday if I'm going longer. So I just make my physical activity a priority because for me, it really helps me to de-stress and also it helps me to be very organized in my thinking because, you know, when my brain is nice and relaxed and I can think through a lot of things when I'm out running, it just makes it easier overall. I also think I sleep better. I'm a professional sleeper. And so that gives me the energy to be very productive during the rest of the time when I'm not running. And so, so people are really often shocked that Yes, you, you know, you just did 60 miles last week and my longest run the whole entire time was 14 miles. And that's because I I make sure that whatever I'm doing is very efficient and and I'm not wasting time because I don't have time to waste. You know, I do understand that I have the luxury and privilege of, um, you know, not having all of my time consumed by um, family. I do not have any kids, so I, I don't have to shuttle them everywhere. But I do do some activities with people who do have families and things like that. And what we do is we just get up really early in the morning to try to get it done. And so part of it is uh, valuing the activity, also doing things that are fun and doing it with people that are cool. And I think that's one thing that's really cool about the trail running community is you know, everybody's kind of laid back and, you know, having a fast time is not the most important thing. It's more about community and how we can support each other. Definitely. Uh, that's a big part of running trail building that community and having that community and i mean we do in the road too but that's not that's you know we're a little different on the road running and i'm a do the both uh, but uh, i feel more community building and being part of the community in the trail running but talking about that uh, have you ever had a uh, like situation where you had to uh, give up for give up your things you're doing for running or or one or the other that's when you had to say, hey, now I need to prioritize this. Have you ever gotten those situation and how do you prioritize a situation where you have to give up one or the other to do things, you know, to move, keep moving in that day? Well, you know, I think no matter what, I really try to prioritize my physical activity because I know that it provides me, you know, with the right energy and focus to get more things done. So I really try hard not to um, cut my physical activity as a, a way to get something else done. Because I, I just know I'm more efficient. If I get my run in or whatever it is, the activity I'm doing that day, then I can be more efficient. But I'm also very flexible. So just because uh, you know I have an early morning meeting that cuts into my run time, I'll just run um, at another time. And part of that is making the intention and making it known and also letting people know. So I have an online support group of uh, mostly, well, actually it's all women and it's called the Black Magic Trail Sisters and we hold each other accountable. So I know that they're expecting me to, you know, stick with whatever the activity that I put out there and said, hey, I'm going to run on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday, then they are going to be looking to see that I did that. And so... I use that as motivation to, well, just because I couldn't do it in the morning doesn't mean I can't do it when I get home. I I try not to make excuses, but I also make sure I do not go in my house and sit or lie down on my couch because then nothing happens. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to, you know, like be strategic to, you know, make sure that the environment is set up so that I can follow through. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I have gone through the situation I'm, I'm pushing through right now. 
Uh, I'll talk about that in my probably future podcast, how I pushed through this summer. Uh, I have literally gone like what we just talked about, just opposite. Just uh, I come home and I want to, I don't do exercise in the morning. I don't run in the morning. I said I'll run in the afternoon. I wouldn't do that at night. It's like, oh, it's too late now. So so that <laughs> there's a day you know it just goes by and uh and uh it it had it got really bad um because uh i guess there's a motivation factor too but if you don't motivate yourself to go out and run or try to find the time to run i guess you won't do it so how do you continuously motivate yourself try to fit your schedule do the things that you have to do plus the running or physical activity? I'm no different than anyone else. I, I go through periods when I'm sort of tired or my, my motivation is low and I try to do some things to take care of myself. So maybe I reduce my, you know, running for the day or whatever the activity, I just reduce it down. Whether it's doing 10 minutes of some kind of body weight exercise, it's 10 minutes. It's, it's not nothing. Or I'm just going to run one mile or I'm just going to walk or I'm going to try to get 10,000 steps on my watch and maybe I don't run at all. I just, you know, I go walking. So, you know, for me, it's kind of trying not to break the chain. So even if I'm feeling tired, I will allow myself to have sleep in a little bit, um, go get a massage, uh, do yoga, do something else that's more relaxing so I can kind of get rejuvenated. And then there's nothing like signing up for an event to provide you with that extra motivation. So if I find myself really falling in a lull, then I'll go on the ultra sign up and find something to sign up for. And I'm like, you're going to die if you don't train. So <laughs> <laughs> that usually gets me, you know, going again. Yeah, definitely. I, I have to have a race. I like the our uh, what do you call trail series here in Birmingham through the summer months. It goes through a lot. A lot of them goes through the summer months, and it it's really forces me to train because I show up at the race and then I'm not ready. I mean, we have one this weekend, but I felt more ready than any of the other races. But definitely having having those races on your calendar helps you to, I guess, motivate or have a goal. So, how often do you do the races for you? So you just came from Trans Rocky. What is your big race for you next? You know, I, I really try to find one big event for every year. And it's in the spirit of the uh, Japanese Masoji, which is, you know, a cleansing ritual. So it's all about trying to find something where the probability of you failing is relatively high. And so, you know, then I, I train really hard for that. And then so after those events, usually I'm just trying to hang out with my friends. And if someone is going to do something, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll come and run that with you. Or, oh, yeah, I'll come and pace you for that. So... You know, after I've gotten over my big thing, it's more like sort of giving back to um, the other people that are part of my network in terms of supporting whatever their big race might be. So the trail series is still going on. I'm, I'm on the fence about whether or not I will do the Blood Rock 50K again this year or if I will do Rebecca Mountain or if I will do this walking tall 50K that's up in Pocahontas, Tennessee at the end of October. So, you know, right now it's just, I'm just kind of really open and flexible to um, some of the fun stuff that, you know, my trail running friends are doing. Definitely. A few years ago, you told me that you had this bucket list, checklist or things you want to do. It was long. Tell us about what are what are those lists? How, how much have you done? You know, you don't have to give me all detail, but uh, I guess some of the things you just talked about, some big events. Is that what what is your bucket list is about? I think you were attending also AT, go to the AT and do some AT hiking and stuff like that. 
Tell us about that a little bit. Okay, so um, I was attempting to do 50 new things um, in my 50th year. And so now I'm approaching 52. I've probably done about 30 things on the list. And uh, one of those crazy things was, um, you know, doing the Barkley Fall Classic, uh, which, like I said, is the hardest race I've ever done, ever. Probably will stand for a long time. Um, I also hiked I've hiked about 300 miles on the Appalachian Trail and it's really funny because um I had never gone camping and slept outside in a tent until I did my first like 80 miles um so that was cool and I think probably the biggest trip I took was going to um your neck of the woods so I went to Nepal and had a chance to do some trekking there in a couple of places and that's on my list again for 2019 I want to go back and do the Annapurna circuit so there's lots more on the list and you know people keep giving me ideas so I I keep adding I think the list is up to about um 60 things now yeah that's a uh... Great to have. I guess it's almost like having a having a big goal and uh, just kind of going through, checking through. But still, you keeping that busy schedule and trying to trying to check this list and do this and train and race. That's a great and amazing. So for those kind of uh, big things you do, will, will you uh, train for those? Like you you talk about um, Nepal. Uh, we were in Nepal. I think the same same time of the year that you and I. I think we actually met in Hong Kong as we were flying to <laughs> Kathmandu. <laughs> and, and our schedule never. That uh, would never work to be uh, go anywhere, but uh, but it was interesting. We we saw each other in Hong Kong, but but tell us about um, so if you have to do those events, uh, how do you prepare yourself? Well, you know, part of it is really looking at the conditions of you know where I'm going to be. So if there's um, altitude involved. As a flatlander, I think I finally came up with the recipe that works for me, uh, which is, you know, really just training in high humidity when it's really hot. It allows the body to produce heat shock proteins, similarly as if you were at altitude, um, which increases your blood volume. And so going out to Trans Rockies, uh, I felt fine. And that was not my first time at altitude. And, you know, how I felt was actually way better than the first time. The first time I did the um, the Leadville Marathon and we went up to over 13,000 feet. And at the end of it, I needed like 10 minutes of pure oxygen at the fire station um, back in Denver to be okay. So this time I was really happy to have, um, you know, been able to complete that whole time and was out in um, Colorado for a week without um, feeling altitude sickness at all. So I would really just look at, you know, what am I going to be up against? Am I going to be at high elevation? Is it going to be really rocky? Is it going to be really hot? Or is it going to be really hilly? And then I try to work on those um, parts of my physiology to make sure that I'm, I'm strong and ready for, for those types of events. Definitely. Um, one of the things, just for a thought, and you know, we, I mean, you talked about this 50, 50 bucket list things to do, and you have 10, many of those. And we all have those, correct? Uh, we all wanted to do those. And we talked just a little bit, touched a little bit about uh, prioritizing and trying to get there. But uh, a lot of time, we just have a bucket list, and we never attempt that. And um, if if a listener listening today, what would you like to tell them saying, you know, hey, you know, get your bucket list and start working on it? What kind of suggestion would you like to make? Well, I think, you know, 
the biggest thing is for people to um, put their attention, their intentions out, you know, really put your intentions of what you want to accomplish, put it out there. It's amazing just in a way you sort of speak things into existence. So I have a list and my list is online. So if people go to my website, um, oliviaadventures.com, they can see my list and everyone can see the list. So, you know, it's kind of like I have the list. I believe I can do these things. And so then I just go after it. Also use vision boards. And I also tell other people my intentions of what I'm going to do. And so people will ask me, well, where are you on your list? Have you completed this? Have you done that? What are you going to do next? And so in a way, it's it's motivating. There are basically goals. And when you have those goals in front of you, then I think it makes it easier for you to accomplish them. Definitely. Is your goal is a physical activity only or is it professional or is it a combination of both? I have not looked at the list. So the, the list, my list is really the Olivia's adventure list. And so it's, um, you know, mostly uh, travel related or some kind of activity um, related things. So, you know, I want to go visit some places like I want to go to Ethiopia because I love to drink coffee. And there's also, you know, a lot of famous runners that come from there. So, you know, I want to see that. I want to I want to go. I want to go to Iceland. Uh, you know, I know several of our trail running friends have done Iceland. So it's kind of like my love for travel, but it's also the adventure and it's also the running. So many of the things are activity related. Definitely. Olivia, you have ex- extensively traveled and then uh, you like to keep yourself active. But at, this, at the same time, how do you keep yourself uh, fed or uh, as you travel or how, how do you nutrition wise, what do you do? Is there a special diet you provide yourself as you travel or or do you eat local food? Or how, Let's talk about a little bit about food because we always interested about learning about runners, um, you know, how do they eat? How do you, how do they feed themselves? And you know, especially your schedule, um, with the busy schedule that you have, plus the the physical activity you do. Tell us about your nutrition plan or any anything like that. What do you do? Okay, so in full disclosure, I have a background in sports nutrition, and so people are all often asking me about you know what's the best diet? What should I eat? What should I do? Are you a vegan? Are you vegetarian? Do you use protein shakes? And, you know, all kinds of things. So, you know, I'm a big believer in in kind of the idea of eating mostly a plant-based diet. I am not a vegan. I call myself a part-time vegan. And the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, if there's some uh, very well-prepared duck that comes along, I'm going to eat it. So, so I don't really restrict myself in that way, I try to eat a lot of uh, vegetables, mostly fresh things, um, but I also understand it with being very busy, it's not always easy to do that. So the next step is I use uh, quite a few frozen things. Sometimes they start as fresh and when I uh, parse them out, they end up in the freezer uh, to be used at a later time. So I at least try to have a few go-to meals. like. I know that my time is really tight, so I have some things that I can make within 30 minutes. And so um, that allows me to eat most of my meals at home or from home. Um, and so it, it just takes a little bit of planning. I have tried doing some meal prep, and that works when my schedule is pretty static, especially in the summertime where I'm doing a lot of travel. I really rely on um, sort of having things in the freezer or refrigerator that I can pull together really quickly. 
uh, mostly we're creatures of habit, so we tend to sort of eat the same things over and over and over, even though we say we're bored. It's it's not necessarily true. So I just try to, you know, put those things together. I also take snacks with me. I take them to work. I always have something to eat in my car, um, whether it's some kind of, you know, high quality, you know, protein bar or something like that. Definitely. Uh, tell us about when you travel. Traveling is, uh, you know, sometime you go get to a place you don't get to eat the food that you want. How do you handle those? Like when you went to Nepal, in in a sense, did you do you enjoy the local food, or do you look for a burger place, or how how does that work? <laughs> nah, I'm 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 pretty open to uh, you know the local food culture. You know, Nepal was great. There were a lot of uh, vegetarian options, so I just ate what the locals ate. I I ate fish. I I ate a lot of beans, a lot of lentils, and the vegetables. And then I also took things with me. So I took mostly nuts with me. Uh, you know, it's kind of concentrated energy and just, you know, took advantage of the local vegetables that were available. A lot of times when I, I travel domestically, I try to uh, figure out what are the restaurants before I go. And so I can look at the menus and see what my options are. You know, some people might not know this, but I have an onion allergy. which makes it very difficult to eat processed foods um, because many of the things that are sort of already pre-mixed, they have onion powder. And so mm. I have to, you know, plan up front. So planning my meals or planning some food options or planning where there's a grocery store I can uh, stop to for, um, you know, some of the fresh fruit items, you know, that that's a, a big part of what I do. So I, I look for the grocery stores and uh, restaurants that are more likely to put things together as you order them. So Indian food, Vietnamese is one of my favorites, and also places that have like vegetable plates or salad bar or something like that. Definitely. Yeah, when, when I travel, I'll try to look for local. I'm a vegetarian, so, so I was trying to find a vegetarian food, but still try to eat as a local as much as possible, even when we travel to Europe and we, we try to eat local as much as possible. You know, sometimes it's not possible. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we did end up in a McDonald's in England. I think they had a veggie sandwich in McDonald's in Europe. So there's a very occasionally, but but definitely like to eat as local as possible, you know. So that's a, that's a big part of traveling, I think, um, keeping your nutrition alive. So let's discuss a little bit more nutrition uh, for an active person who uh, like to keep the healthy portion. How do you advise in those kind of situations where they have to keep the right portion? How, how do you keep your portions? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, a lot of people sort of get caught up in, well, how many calories can I eat or not eat or whatever? I think it's a lot easier if you just put as many vegetables on your plate as you can as the first part. And then the second part is having, you know, like a handful of whatever the starch might be. So it might be rice or it might be potatoes or um, corn or something like that. And then the second piece is not overloading your plate with protein. You know, we are very much a, a meat-based culture in the U.S., um, but getting people to think about putting the vegetables on their plate first and then whatever room is left and you can add the, the smaller amount of protein. And a lot of times when people go out to restaurants, you know, that they bring you a whole platter of food. That doesn't mean you have to eat the whole platter all at once. Most restaurants are very much open to um, splitting your portions. So 
so that you can, you know, box half of it up as soon as they bring it to the table and then you can take the rest home and that other half can be for your next meal or lunch the next day. So just, you know, trying to adopt some of those strategies of thinking about what vegetables I'm going to put on my plate first and then adding the protein and the starches as the more secondary items. Your recommendations eat as green as possible and as vegetables as possible then then add the other protein like meat or something like that is that is that the recommendation yeah for me is i have to eat all the food <laughs> <laughs> I have a clean plate i hardly uh, you know, even in restaurants, I end up eating all the food, and then then I'm hardly walking. Hard to walk outside the restaurant, so usually I have to be careful what I eat. But but he, the diet has been one of my biggest obstacles because as even though I'm a vegetarian, I lost a lot of weight. I gained it back, and and I just cannot control eat, eating some of the foods. But you know, but I'm I'm portioning myself lately, so so I hope that'll work. So I'm and also using. A lot of lentils and beans and stuff in my food, so that's that's how I'm, how I'm getting my protein. So so definitely that's a that's interesting uh, talk. I think we may have to talk a little bit more about nutrition and diet with you and and you look at your perspective and see through your research and how everything says. So so let's uh, let's move on to our interview. Um, I know that you're heavily involved in the Birmingham running community. Uh, from trail running to road, I think you have a groups of runners, like you mentioned earlier. Let's talk about a little bit uh, the opportunity here in Birmingham, the running community that we have here. So it's amazing the number of running groups that are located here in Birmingham. So all the way from you know the road running community, there's the Birmingham track club and they are very involved in not only um, weekly group runs, but also to putting on social events, social training events on the weekends, as well as supporting some of the races that happen in Birmingham. So there's the Wednesday night track shack running group. I know a lot of uh, my friends go over to Homewood and they do the, the three or six mile loop there. But there are also other groups, the um, Birmingham Ultra Trail Society. We have some meetups throughout the week Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 5.30 a.m. at Red Mountain Park, you will find Mary Campbell and others running. Yes, it's dark when we start, but uh, it gets light pretty much within about the first mile or so. There's also the Black Girls Run. They have uh, meetup groups also on uh, Tuesday and Thursday, Wednesday, and they're you know, different parts of town, but they also meet at Railroad Park. Uh, so there's just a, a wealth of um, running opportunities around Birmingham from trail running to road running to almost every weekend there's a, a 5k or 10k there's just so much to do and we're also working on sort of the the next generation of runners there's um, the girls on the run program which is a 10 week skill development program for girls in Birmingham uh, their season is about to kick off and they're at a number of different schools in and around Metro Birmingham from Birmingham City Schools to Mountain Brook to Homewood to Hoover, also to in the Avondale community. So, you know, there are about 15 girls per team and they're getting geared up and they're going to have their celebration at the end of their 10 weeks. It's going to be the Magic City 5K and there's also going to be the half marathon. So 
you know, we, we really have a big running community in Birmingham and people of all different paces, shapes and sizes are welcome to come out. And uh, it gives me great joy to see all the people in Birmingham running. And I'd like to encourage more people to come out and take part in the running community. Definitely. Uh, one thing, uh, one group that I, I would like to add, I've been going lately, Wednesday night light runs at the Oak Mountain. Oak Mountain finally has allowed us to come run at night. Uh, so I've been going there for the last three, four weeks. It's evening run, starts at seven, and let's go opposite to your morning run. It starts in light and goes to dark. <laughs> bring, bring your head left. This Wednesday, last Wednesday, we had a pretty big group. So it's a, it's a getting, uh, it's interesting because as we train for a hundred miler and it's really good to train, I realize as soon as dark starts, I cannot run anymore. So it's just, it's, I'm just running slow. <laughs> I cannot run at dark. Like I mean, there's it's it's it slows down. But it's interesting because I, and whenever I ran, even that lake bar we talked about earlier, that was my first night run I ever ran in my life. Wow. I was. I think I may have run evening runs, but night run as as a trail run, I think. That was the first longest night run I have ever done. So, so I did quite well there. But having a training is always good. So Olivia, we had so varieties of discussion in this podcast from your running journey to your ultra marathoning to your trans rocky to Nepal and, and also uh, keeping that busy schedule, having that list and achieving those goals that you have done. Before we close this interview, please give us a word of advice to the to all the listeners who listen to us right now to have those goals and achieve them as you go forward. Just not keep it off from doing it, but just because you you keep a very busy schedule. Life kind of moves fast, and then you may not be able to achieve all those things, but you have been able to do that uh, successfully. Uh, give us a word of advice. If I had any word of advice, I would say to dream big and think about the things that bring you the most joy and create a list or a vision board of what you'd like to materialize in your life and to go for it. And also think about, you know, seeking support, you know, find a tribe of people that are doing what you're trying to do, or at least support what you're trying to do that can be cheerleaders for you. So to me, I think, you know, one of the things that really drives me is being an inspiration for others and sharing my passion for physical activity, for running, for being outside in nature. And I think it's my way of giving back is, you know, sharing some of those dreams and the outcomes of those things. That's a great word of advice, Olivia. Thanks for being out there, being the voice and being the motivation, being the inspiration to a lot of people out here. Uh, we look up to you and uh, thanks for your time and uh, hope to catch you at uh, Blood Rock or maybe maybe at some other event or, or running the trail. Thanks for having me and uh, I'll be trying to keep up with you on the trail even if only for a quarter of a mile. But <laughs> thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, yeah it, it was really wonderful to talk to you and, uh, and hopefully I can bring you back and talk a little bit about nutrition. I'd really like to have that topic going because a lot of us would struggle with the nutrition as, as an athlete and injured athlete. We do struggle with that. Awesome. I'd be happy to. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please visit emirates.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.